Welcome back, Giants fans. Week number 14, game reaction here as the Giants lose to the Los Angeles Chargers by a score of 37-21, but it looked a lot worse than that considering the score was 37-7, I think, at one point. It was bad. It was worse than what the actual score says it was. There was some garbage time touchdowns for the Giants, which is always nice, but yeah, the final score looked better than the actual score was, and Justin Herbert was on the bench halfway through the fourth quarter as Chase Daniel finished out the game. So, to make matters worse, I'm watching Sunday Night Football, and somehow Chicago is up over the Packers at halftime, and obviously having the Chicago Bears pick, that's not good news for us. And while the Giants themselves will have a high pick this year, I want two high picks this year. And if this continues, the you know the Chicago Bears might get their fifth win of the year as Santos puts it through, and they're up 27-21 at halftime. So not good. I still think the Packers pull it out, but it's just not what you want to see at halftime. Anyway... Let's get into the game. We'll start with the offense. Um, the Giants actually exceeded their 16.5 over-under for their points, so that was definitely a good thing. But as I mentioned, it was garbage time. They had one really nice touchdown drive where it was weird because Kyle Rudolph, at now 30, 31 years old, had the longest completion of his career. He had a 60-yard catch, Kyle Rudolph. It was a very weird scenario. It was like the guy was running in slow motion, but no one can catch him. I don't know why. He was stiff-arming a guy for five more yards. So Kyle Rudolph had this long... Uh, catch and run over the middle of the field, and then Elijah Penny catches like basically like a fade route type touchdown. Uh, it was pretty crazy. So a weird drive there. The Giants get a touchdown there. I think it was seven seven after that. But after that, I think the um, the Chargers put up I don't know how many unanswered points, like thirty straight unanswered points or something around there. Um, a crazy amount. So the Giants really. This game was over at halftime. It was a typical Giants game where. They kind of fool you the first quarter and a half where it's like, eh, maybe it'll be competitive. You know, it was a tie game. But then, of course, in typical Giants fashion, the Giants actually get a stop before halftime. So the Chargers got the ball inside their own five. It was one of the better Riley Dixon punts of the year, actually. So Riley Dixon pins them inside their own 10, probably inside their own five, actually. And I think the Chargers had a three and out. So then they punt to the Giants. The Giants take over a little behind midfield. So the Giants probably start around their own 40, but they go three and out, and they still give the Chargers enough time to, of course, have Justin Herbert, you know, air out a 63-yard pass to uh, Jalen Guyton for a touchdown. So, of course, the Giants somehow found a way to have the Chargers put up seven points before halftime, because as we know as Giants fans, the Giants have the worst defense before halftime for some reason in the final two minutes before halftime the Giants defense inevitably gives up points and today was no different their their defense was actually playing well the previous drive once again they held them to a three and out and then of course Jalen Guyton catches this amazing pass from Justin Herbert so credit to him for that pass but yeah the Giants defense was uh not too good in this game, I will say. We'll go over that later, but we'll start with the offense here. So Mike Glennon had three total touchdowns, but I think was underwhelming overall. Um, you know, Mike Glennon, I, I would want to go back and watch more of this game because there was a play where Mike Glennon had a third down and short. It was like a third and three, third and four. I believe it was the second quarter. And he just missed Saquon Barkley in the flat for what would have been a first down and threw the ball away. So, like, there were some things like that. There was a play on the final interception, the final pass Glennon threw, where he had Sterling Shepard on a drag route. Yes, the game was over, but he threw it behind him. It hit Shepard's um, hand and was intercepted. So, he missed some guys. He underthrew Kenny Galladay a couple times on balls that should have been 50-50 balls, but they weren't actually 50-50 balls because Mike Glennon could not place the ball accurately. So... 
there was that. I just didn't think the guy played that well. I mean, he made some plays. He made some nice throws. The Kyle Rudolph throw was perfect. It was a great throw. I know he was wide open, but definitely hit him right in stride. So we saw some nice throws. He had a couple nice throws of Darius Slayton that were dropped by Slayton. By the way, I'm kind of done with Slayton. I, I just don't see this guy ever being good. I mean, Darius Slayton literally cannot play through contact. If there's any contact from the cornerback, the guy's dropping the ball. And his other drop he had in this game was not even like there was no contact. He was, had to go to the ground to get, make the catch. He was kind of sliding. And he had it right here, and somehow he dropped it again. So Darius Slayton just can't catch the ball. And if we can trade that guy for, I don't know, a fifth or sixth round pick, I'm all for it. Like, I, I just don't see Darius Slayton having much of a future on this team. And he was definitely very intriguing as a rookie. He put up, what, 500, 600 yards, put up like seven or so touchdowns, and he was looking very promising for a fifth round pick. But the guy has so many flaws in his game that have not been fixed yet. And I just don't see Darius Slayton getting much better. So. Right now, he's a wide receiver three at best, more of a wide receiver four, in my opinion. And if the Giants can actually trade this guy and get rid of his $1 million cap it next year and sign somebody better, I'm all for that. So Saquon Barkley had his highest rushing total of the season. He had 16 carries for 64 yards. And obviously, when you're a second overall pick and 64 yards is your season high, that's not where you want to be, but Saquon did have four yards per carry. He had the long touchdown catch. It was like a 20-yard touchdown catch from Mike Glennon. He was three for 31 for a touchdown in the air, Saquon. So it was a pretty good Saquon game, but we also saw the typical getting stuff at the line. There was a play where Saquon lost his balance and just fell to the ground. Uh, on a play that should have been a first down. So we saw some of that typical stuff from Saquon, but this was a great matchup for him. This was the 31st ranked run defense once again. So he did a good job. His backup, Devontae Booker, averaged seven yards a carry, eight for 56 on the ground. And uh, Devontae Booker was four of 28 through the air. I remember Booker had that catch like somewhere, I was right before halftime. He caught a ball on the left sideline, kind of cut back in, made some guys miss. It was a nice catch and run. Didn't go for anything because once again, halftime was uh, coming up right there. But still, I thought both running backs played pretty well. They were not really a part of the problem in this game. Obviously, being down so many points, the Giants cannot really rely on the run. They had to pass the ball more when you're down 37-7, to 7, so I get that, of course. I didn't write his name down, but Kenny Galladay was 2 of 15. Evan Engram, 1 of 8. Um, Engram was supposed to maybe have a nice game because the Chargers defense was without Derwin James and some of their other athletic players in the secondary, so uh, we were hoping maybe this could have been a good Evan Engram game, but that did not happen. And as for Kenny Galladay... I just don't know. He's definitely not worth the contract right now, and I don't want to completely quit on the guy because he will be here next year, and I do think if there's like a a different quarterback or something else, a different offense or whatever, I, I think Galladay still has something good left in the tank, but just right now, he just doesn't look too interested. Um, I, I mentioned that Mike Lennon missed him on some throws. I, I believe Galladay had eight targets in this game and caught two passes, so it definitely was not like a good ratio there, but um, I do hope better days are ahead for Galladay. I just don't think it's going to happen this year, unfortunately. So hopefully 2022 is a season where Galladay actually lives up to the contract because it definitely did not happen in year one. He was injured, and now he's you know now that he's back, he's still not living up to the contract. I know his quarterbacks have not been that good. I know Daniel Jones and Mike Lennon are not Matthew Stafford level type guys, but still, I mean, you know, we want to see more from Kenny Galladay based on how much we're paying the guy, and we're just not seeing it so far. So hopefully next year is that year, but unfortunately. Unfortunately, I just don't see 2021 being that year. But hopefully in these final four games, 
Kenny Galladay can actually catch his first touchdown of the year because we're still waiting for it. I mentioned that Kyle Rudolph had his career-long catch, 60 yards. Uh, Nate Solder, this was like kind of the nail in the coffin play right here. Nate Solder allowed a strip sack to Joey Bosa. That was one of my main concerns going into this matchup was the Nate Solder versus Joey Bosa um, you know, mismatch, let's call it that. And it didn't go as badly as I thought it would, not saying Nate Solder played well, but it wasn't like Joey Bosa was like wrecking the entire game, but that was the play right there. Mike Lennon had the ball stripped, and someone on the um, on the Chargers recovered it, so that was pretty much the game right there. It was sometime in the third quarter, and the Chargers really pulled away after that, so that was unfortunate, of course, but really not a surprise because Nate Solder is not good, and Joey Bosa is excellent, so that's really not a big surprise. Ben Bredesen, who was filling in at left guard at some points in this game, I think he came in and got hurt on like one of his first play and I don't know what the injury is we'll find out the uh, severity probably the next couple days but um it was sad to see that of course and I, I do hope Bredesen plays more because why not you know Matt Skur is nothing special and Bredesen was a guy that we traded what a fourth round pick for so I kind of would hope that we see more of him but we probably will not now that he's injured so we'll see how bad the injury is Matt Parrott played some right tackle for a little uh, I think he came in right after uh, Nate Solder got beat on the Joey Bosa sack and there was a play where Matt Parrott just got completely blown up on a run play, and he was the reason Saquon got like a two-yard loss. So, you know, if Matt Parrott can't run block, then obviously you can't play. So, you know, we always act like Matt Parrott can't be that much worse than Nate Solder, and I don't think he is, but, you know, Matt Parrott's not perfect either. When they, when they put him in there, he does make mistakes sometimes, and that run play where he gave up a two-yard loss wasn't good because the other guys that were blocking were doing their job and Matt Parrott was the one guy who missed his assignment and it blew up the whole play. So Matt Parrott, I do hope he plays more going forward because Nate Solder has no future here, but I understand why Matt Parrott's not playing. He's not perfect, but I do hope as a fan because Matt Parrott's 10 years younger and actually has a future here maybe. I do want to see him play more. So Riley Dixon had a fake punt. Uh, we know that play. It was like a fourth and nine. Uh, the Giants were on their own 38, fourth and nine. They run the fake punt, and Keon Crossing was pissed after that because Keon Crossing was the recipient or supposed to be the recipient of that pass, and it went way over his head. It was like five yards out of his uh, reach, and he was pissed. But, you know, it was a play that could have worked. I just don't understand Joe Judge's philosophy, though, because as I wrote down here, Joe Judge, I think, on the Giants' first drive had a fourth and two right around midfield, and he punts the ball. But then for some reason, when the Giants were down a million points in the third quarter, on a fourth and nine, they'd run this fake punt on their own 38. Like, I, I just don't understand how that makes sense. Like, if, if you can't go for it on fourth and two, then don't, you know, fake it on fourth and nine. It just, it doesn't make sense. I just don't understand where Joe Judge is coming from. And I, I just don't know if I could do another year of Joe Judge. He just has not instilled any confidence in me as a fan. And I do hope I'm wrong because I do want the guy to work out. But I just don't know how I could sit here. I say this every week. I just don't know how I could sit here and be confident that Joe Judge is a good head coach because he's not. He's just not a good head coach right now. Some of these decisions he makes are so terrible. And we know about the timeout management and the you know, lack of discipline, the penalties, all those type of things, what he says to the media is crazy sometimes. It's like the guy's not even watching the games. Um, so, yeah, it's just I don't know how I could sit here and trust Joe Judge. I know he's a young guy, and I was hoping he'd get better in year two, but it seems like as a head coach he's regressing, so it's definitely disappointing. I do think he'll be back here next year, but for all the wrong reasons, I do think the Giants can hopefully you know, make an upgrade at head coach if they were to move on from Judge, but I do believe John Mara looks at this and says, I can't fire another coach after two years because he did that with McAdoo. 
and Shermer. He does not want to do that to a third head coach. So obviously Joe Judge will probably have a longer leash. Does Joe Judge deserve to stay based on how he's coached this year? No, but he probably will stay by default because John Mara is just afraid to fire another coach after two years. And I don't know if that's the right decision. I don't think Joe Judge is a good head coach right now. I'm not going to lie. And I do think there's probably a better upgrade out there, whether that's like, you know, Byron Leftwich or the uh, the Cowboys OC, uh, Kellen Moore. Maybe he's a good head coach. I don't know. But I feel like there's, there's better guys out there, but the Giants just won't take that shot because they don't want to move on from another head coach after two years, which I get. But that's probably not the best way to manage because you're managing out of fear. Like you're managing because you don't want to look incompetent, which you are. You don't want to look bad to your fans, which you already do. Like it doesn't matter at this point. If you're John Mayer, just focus on making the right decision, which I don't think he'll do. So Joe Judge, by all accounts, is probably going to be here next year. I do think there's a chance he's fired, especially with some more division matchups coming up here, especially the Giants being home in some of these games. Like if they get embarrassed at home against the Cowboys, get embarrassed at home against Washington, you might see John Mayer pull the trigger and be like, all right, we're done here. But, you know, so far the Giants have not quit on Joe Judge yet, so we haven't seen that yet. Um, if players start to quit and the Giants get blown out in the final month here in some of these games against the division rivals, then maybe we see a change. But I just feel like right now, as long as the Giants compete and nothing bad happens in the locker room, um, Joe Judge will probably be back here. I just don't know if that's the right decision, but as Giants fans, we may have to live with that for another year at least. All right, so on to the defensive side of the ball. The Giants gave up 423 total yards, only 271 passing yards, not too bad, but the rushing yards was 152, and the Chargers averaged 6 yards per play, so don't want to see that, of course. We'll go over some of the individuals on defense. Of course, we saw uh, Leonard Williams leave the game sometime pretty early, like uh, mid-first quarter, late-first quarter. With the elbow injury, never came back. Um, he was going to come back, but I don't think he ever came back. So that was kind of unfortunate. But we did see guys like Dexter Lawrence step up, I will say. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is not a guy who's lived up to 17th overall as a draft pick. But the guy played well today, had a sack, had a couple of nice run stops. So I will give Dexter Lawrence his credit for the way he played today. But let's be honest, the Los Angeles Chargers offensive line, which, as I mentioned in the pregame video or preview video, their right guard and right tackle spot were not very good. So just their left tackle to center are good players. And they just dominated the Giants defensive line the entire game. So the Giants front seven really had issues in this game. Um, containing the Chargers run game and giving Justin Herbert way too much time. It's hard to think of times they really pressured Herbert. There was the Dexter Lawrence sack play, which it was kind of Justin Herbert's fault because he kind of like stepped up into the pocket into the sack. So it wasn't like the offensive line was at fault there. And there was one where Ojalari had a pressure, but for the most part, it was like Justin Herbert had all the time in the world back there. Austin Eckler had you know, humongous holes to run through in the run game. Um, you know, Josh Kelly and uh, who's the other guy? And Justin Jackson, you know, they didn't run too efficiently. They were like around three yards a carry. But, you know, still, they found a way to have a really efficient run game for the most part. And as I mentioned, Justin Herbert had all day to sit back there and throw. And I saw that Jordan Ronan sa uh, said this on Twitter, and it's very true. I mean, the Giants have struggled mightily against elite quarterbacks this year. You may not consider Justin Herbert elite, but he's close. You can make the argument that he is. So against guys like Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady, um, who else do we play this year as an elite quarterback? You can throw Dak Prescott in there and now Justin Herbert. The Giants had so many problems against those quarterbacks because they know how to read a defense and they know how to uh, maneuver the pocket so perfectly and so well that, you know, the Giants lack of pressure 
really was their downfall. And I do admit that in, in today's modern NFL, it's important to have a good secondary, which the Giants do. But if you have no pass rush either, it's tough to really do anything on defense. Like if you allow an elite quarterback to sit back there for four or five seconds, you're going to get torn apart. I don't care if you have Jalen Ramsey and Deion Sanders on, you know, playing cornerback for you. It really doesn't matter. If you can't get any pressure on elite, uh, on an elite quarterback, that's how it's going to go. So I, I just don't know how you can really expect to compete with these elite offenses like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and like the Chargers if you can't get any pressure whatsoever and can't even stop the run. Like if you can't do those things, I just don't know what the Giants expect to do on defense. The Giants have good players on defense individually. They have Bradbury. Dexter Lawrence is a pretty good player, usually uh, Leonard Williams when he's healthy. Um, You know, they did have Blake Martinez, of course, but, um, you know, they have decent players on defense. But if you can't pressure the passer in any capacity like the Giants don't do, I just don't know how you expect to compete on defense. And as a result, the Giants allow 37 points through uh, three and a half quarters in this game. So there was that Jalen Guyton play right before halftime, as I mentioned. It was embarrassing because the Giants were playing two high safeties and somehow Jalen Guyton runs the post route and goes right between both safeties. Like, why have two high safeties if neither safety is going to protect the deep ball? Like, that's like, I'm not a coach. I'm not like a, you know, football specialist or football guru. But when you're playing two deep safeties, you can't allow the receiver to run right between you and catch a long touchdown. That's not supposed to happen. So that pissed me off watching that. I mentioned Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams. There's this Jaron Williams guy. I didn't know who Jaron Williams was before the game started. I know Darren Williams, the Nets player, hate that guy. But Jaron Williams may be on my shit list too because this guy allowed a quick out route to um, the rookie Josh Palmer and he played terrible defense on it. It was just covered terribly. So Jaron Williams allows a touchdown to... uh, not Arnold Palmer, Josh Palmer. So there was that. Uh, James Bradbury, outside of one play, maybe two, was pretty good in this game. He had a couple of uh, pass breakups. I thought he almost had a pick six in this game because Justin Herbert did like a rollout and threw like a bad sidearm pass. And Bradbury was close to like, you know, just intercepting that and taking it back to the house. So that was a good play by Bradbury. He had a couple uh, pass breakups. The one bad play he had was a Mike Williams drag route. And Mike Williams, who is like a 6'5 receiver, was able to outrun uh, James Bradbury and beat him to the edge. He did step out of bounds and it took away an extra 20 yards. But, you know, still, he did not keep up on that play. But as I mentioned, the Giants front seven was just not good in this game. Um, You know, we saw some plays. Austin Johnson had a nice run stop. There were some good individual plays from some guys. Uh, Benardrick McKinney, blew up a run play at one point. Tay Crowder, I think, had a nice play in coverage on Austin Eckler, I remember. There was one play where Herbert tried to go deep to Eckler, and we've seen plays where Tay Crowder's been beat by running backs before. We saw it against J.D. McKissick. We saw it against somebody else earlier this year, but um, Tay Crowder did a good job. It was uh, Daryl Henderson against the Rams, that play where he scored a touchdown left sideline where Matthew Stafford made a good pass, but Tay Crowder has been beat in coverage by good running backs this year, good receiving running backs, but this time did a good job against Austin Eckler on that play. Did not allow the big completion, which was good. So, you know, Tay Crowder had his moments. Benardrick McKinney had his moments. We didn't see too much from Xavier McKinney, but he was one of those two safeties I mentioned before that allowed the big uh, Jalen Guyton catch. Logan Ryan was there as well. Logan Ryan has not really impressed me too much at all this year. I feel like ever since that Broncos game week one, I have not really seen Logan Ryan play that well. He had a decent game against the Rams, I feel like, where he may have dropped a couple interceptions. But um, yeah, so I mean, you know, Logan Ryan has not been that great. And it's a shame that we have to pay that guy like $10 million next year to play average football. But yeah, it comes down to the front seven. Uh, Danny Shelton was in there as well. And I, 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 
put this on Twitter. I kind of feel bad. I kind of feel like an a-hole saying this. He reminds me of Joey Diaz from The Longest Yard. He looks so out of shape in that uniform. Like, you just see, like, his gut hanging over, and it's like, I know Danny Shelton's supposed to be, like, a run stopper, but he literally reminds me of, of um, Joey Diaz from The Longest Yard, Adam Sandler, where he's laying on the, um, you know, on the track, and everyone else is, like, finished running their laps, and then Adam Sandler and, and Chris Rock were like, you know, where's the Kansas State guy? And then you have Joey Diaz laying with his gut hanging out, being like, you a-holes better not cut me, I'm still on this team. So, seeing Danny Shelton reminded me of that, I'll put the picture in here so you guys know what I'm talking about if you don't, but, um, so yeah, probably terrible of me to say that, but anyway, that's what I thought of, um, but yeah, no one on defense really stood out in a great way. I think Quincy Roche made one nice play. I forget what it was now, but he made one nice play. There were just guys that made individual plays, but for the most part as a whole, the Giants as a defense did not play well today. So I can't really be like, oh, this guy played great the entire game. This guy, you know, yeah, I can't say that. So I mentioned James Bradbury played pretty well for most of the game, but, um, you know, for the most part, guys did not really, like the Giants had a lot of problems shedding blocks. That was a big issue today. There were so many times in the run game, um, you know, there was a perfect example of, of a Austin Eckler touchdown, the one rushing touchdown he had, like every block was executed by the Chargers offensive line and fullback and tight ends so per- uh, perfectly. And it was basically just a, a walk-in touchdown for Austin Eckler. Like Tay Crowder was just taken away out of the play. Um, Julian Love was taken out of the play. Like we, we saw guys that were just could not shed their blocks. And um, I give credit to the Chargers offensive line, but the Giants have to do a better job of, of getting off those blocks and making tackles because the Chargers had it way too easy on offense today, I must say. And obviously the Chargers have an elite offense and our defense is beat up and not that great right now. I mean, they've had their moments, but, um, you know, the Giants defense, I guess, has been better, but, you know, on the season, they're like average, so... Um, but as I mentioned, the Giants have had problems against elite offenses and elite quarterbacks specifically, and, and Justin Herbert is right in that mix. I know he's young, but he's right in that mix. He's a great player, so um, this was a tough matchup. So I want to go over some of the remaining schedule here. The Giants are now 4-9. and nine. They play Dallas next week. We are home in that game, but they will be probably... At least touchdown underdogs. I would say close to 10-point underdogs in that game, so probably expect a loss there. Now, at Philadelphia, this is the day after Christmas, I believe. 1 o'clock game at Philly. Anything can happen there. I mean, Jalen Hurts, we beat him already this year, so. But we, the Giants don't win in Philly. It's been since, like, 2013, I feel like. So that's a tough one, of course, based on that. At Chicago, I feel like they could win that game, so maybe that's a win. And then home against Washington. And and Washington, they might be in a playoff spot or in the playoff race at that point, but maybe not. It might be a meaningless game for both teams at that point. But Washington is a better team than us right now, I must say, even though they looked terrible today against Dallas. Um, They made a late comeback with the first three quarters. They looked awful. So, I don't know. The Giants might win one, maybe two games at most uh, uh, remaining of the season. So, we're looking at like a five or six win season here. It might be four. They might lose out the rest of the season. I don't know. And, and Daniel Jones, I just saw from Jordan Ronan on Twitter, is going to some neck specialist. And if that turns out bad, he might miss the rest of the year. We saw like Daniel Jones in a the pregame. They showed a, a clip uh, on the broadcast of Daniel Jones making throws in the pregame. He looked good, but obviously that's with no contact and no shoulder pads or anything. So that's just basically a warm up. So I don't know what the test will show and what it will reveal, but we'll find out tomorrow or Tuesday probably of how bad this Daniel Jones injury is once he sees this next specialist. So there is a chance that Mike Lennon's the quarterback for the final four games, and the Giants maybe go 0-4 and, and finish the year at 4-13. Um, and 13. So, I mean, yeah, maybe they're 5-12, and 4-13, and 13, I don't know. But it's going to be a rough season 
We know that um, we were not expecting this to be this bad. Even a pessimistic fan like myself was not expecting something to go this badly, but it is, and we have to live with that. But, um, you know, what it comes down to is 2022, and hopefully the Giants make the right decisions. I think the Giants would benefit moving on from Joe Judge once again. They got to get the GM position right. That's a big thing, of course. So we'll find out what happens there. Um, hopefully the Packers pull this one out. They're up 11 right now late in the third quarter, so I hope they find a way to – get this victory. Hopefully the Giants have two top five picks this year. That'd be great. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this video. Sorry for those who had to watch the full game like I did. It's, it's like we should be getting paid to watch these games at this point because they're terrible. But anyway, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed and I'll talk to you guys next time.